What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silver Cohen. It's another episode of Unpolished Therapy, where we ditch the couch and grab the mics. We're breaking down all the wreckage. Good morning, Dr. Boca. How are you? I'm great. Good morning to you. How's everything going? Everything's great. How about yourself? You know what? Day to day, living the dream. It's going great. I'm very excited. You know what? My Wednesday mornings are like the best. I know I'm sitting down with you and I love when you throw things at me and we just kind of go. So I'm very excited. All right. Well, guess what? I have some fun news to share. And on top of just sitting down with me, I thought maybe we'd bring some value add to the mix today. Love. So remember over the summer, I know we had done the podcast where the kids were going to college and we were talking to, I guess the majority of our listeners probably fall into the kids going to college, maybe first time, maybe second or third, et cetera. And we had done this podcast, like, how do we navigate our way? These kids are Mm -hmm. flying the coop. And I think we kind of joke that, but the parents are kind of losing their minds about it. I don't remember what our little limerick was, but... We got a lot of great feedback. And then I thought that maybe, wouldn't it be cool if we brought into the mix that front line? Let's get a college kid in here and let's kind of hear what he or she has to say about what really goes on and maybe lend some wisdom, if you will, reverse wisdom, I guess, to the parents, to the listeners, kind of our demographic a little bit more. And one hand holds the other hand and maybe we can help each other out. So does that sound okay to you, Dr. B? I think it's amazing. And you know, I have such a sweet spot for college students. It's where my passion lies. I think they are at such a formidable place. And I just love to hear their insights and what their experiences are. Because like shame on us as parents, sometimes we think we know, and we really don't. So I'm very excited about this. Tell me more. Tell me more. All right. Well, so for the listeners out there too, this is definitely a fun one. And I want to introduce to the podcast a friend of mine, of course, who is a son and a brother, a friend, needless to say, a collegiate student at the University of Florida. Certainly amongst his peers, he is an influencer, to say the least. As far as I am concerned, every time he crosses my path, he is a beacon of hope and positivity. He lives life to the fullest. I've never met a kid who exudes more confidence than this guy. As a matter of fact, I don't know if this is still accurate, but I think at one point or another, he was referred to as King Cole. So we'll have to ask him about that. He's always, in my opinion, someone who has aspired big aspirations, be it personally, of course, and now, I guess, professionally being in college. And last he and I left off, he was studying pre-med to be a plastic surgeon. So it'll be interesting to see if that is still a passion and if not, why and what has happened since. But this kid is near and dear to my heart. He is a mover and a shaker. He is definitely a game changer, unpolished to boot. And he was a little boy and now a big boy with big ideas and big dreams. And I'd love to introduce to the show, my dear friend, Cole Buffa. Cole, welcome, welcome. Hi, I'm I'm very happy and excited to be here. This is definitely my first time doing something like this, so I'm like it's gonna be a great time. 
Cole, we are so happy that you're here. And again, you are amongst friends. You're not being graded. This is not a test. It's not an exam. This is a extracurricular activity, if you will. So I thank you for being here. But I want to just ask you, before I even let Dr. Boca get her two cents in, the way that I described you, do you see yourself that way? Is that something that I'm on track on? Because that is how I see you. I would definitely say you hit it up right on top of the head. I was definitely blushing and smiling and laughing a little bit. Like you definitely were gassing me up and making me feel good. But I would say for the most part, you were right on. That's definitely a way I look at myself. I like the way you use the word influencer among your friends. I'm always trying to set trends and be the leader. And everyone calls me the social chair of our friend group, whether it was at home in Boca or now is it at school. I would say you were definitely, you know, right there with it. And I just have to say welcome and thank you, Cole. This is so exciting for us. But I have to tell you, your voice, you are a college student. Like you've partied hard or something. Um, We're just waking up and we appreciate you getting up in the morning to do this with us. I wish people could see what we're seeing, right? Because we're doing this on Zoom. He's adorable. He's just an adorable groover and shaker. So thank you for being here. And Rachel, you know that with this population, I have so many burning questions. So I'm not even going to let you take back the microphone. I'm going to jump right in because selfishly, I want to know the answer to this question. So Cole, a lot of kids go to sleepaway camp and they go traveling and they do all of these things. So they say, oh, I've been on my own before. But really, society kind of looks at college as that first step into young adulthood being on your own transition. Do you feel like you went away to college with the tools you needed to be successful and that you got what you needed those first 18 years of life living under your roof, the roof of your home with your family, but also living in Boca or suburban area. Do you feel like you got prepared and you were ready to go? Or were there things that were missing and that you kind of wish you had? It's actually very funny you say this. So I did go to sleepaway camp and I went to two team tours. One okay. to Hawaii and Alaska and then one in Europe. Which The Europe one was definitely a big step, like a big culture shock. Sure. Um, and so I got to college and it was a very weird time, especially because of COVID. And I get there and, you know, my parents move me in. They go buy me groceries for the week. You know, at first I'm going out and eating dinner out every night. Like nothing's different. But then, you know, it really sets in that, oh my God, like, I'm by myself. I'm living in an apartment with three other wild 18-year-old boys. There's no groceries here. My laundry's not done. There's no, I don't know how to cook this. I, I don't want to clean this. It was definitely a big culture shock. So for the most part, I would say, me personally, I felt decently prepared. The year leading up to college, my parents kind of made me step up in a lot of ways. Like my dad sometimes would be like, I'm not doing your laundry anymore. Like you do it. Like my mom would be like teaching me how to clean or teaching me just how to cook or like simple little things that are like in everyday life. Like you would normally like, you know, for an adult, like you wouldn't think twice about, but as an 18 year old kid who grew up in Boca, definitely, you know, a little on the spoiled side sometimes about things that I was missing. So I feel like my parents did a really good job on the fact of like, you know, teaching me like how to live life like a human being. Like I definitely have some friends, even as a sophomore now, that still cannot do anything of their own. They rely wow. on everyone else to do everything. And I feel like my parents, they raised me in a way where they definitely gave me a lot. They also stressed the importance of being an independent. And what I mean by that is like at the end of the day, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to wait on anyone else to do anything else. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to sit down at my desk, do all my homework, go to class, get what I need done for the day, and then focus on everything else. 
But I would say that the cleaning and the laundry was definitely a big, big struggle at the beginning. You're probably not alone, Call My guess is that a lot of kids might have that same thought process. I do want to say, um, when we were preparing a little bit for the interview, you know, I know you think that you're this big hotshot and all that, and I have such a soft spot for you, but there was this little part of me that was like, wait a minute, should I be asking Cole's parents permission to do this podcast? If your parents are friends of mine, and truly, I have the utmost respect for both of them. You certainly do come from quality stock. Your mom is a real special friend of mine, and she is the salt of the earth. So I know firsthand that you come from great cloth. I'm happy to hear you say you feel you were somewhat prepared, maybe more prepared than others. But it does lead me to this question, okay? Because I know the house you were raised in and I know how terrific your parents are. But here's a burning question that I think Dr. Boca and I have spoken about here and there, on air, off air. Your generation, call. I'm just going to tell you between the eyes. There's such differences in the way that kids engage, interact, speak to, expect from their parents versus the way that Dr. Boca and I did growing up. Okay. For instance, in a million years, I would never call my parents by their first name. Ever, 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 ever. Ever. And I find that to be a trend amongst your age group. And I know you're an influencer and I know people turn to you to see, you know, what the hot topics are and whatnot. But I'm going to guess that it didn't start with you and it probably isn't going to end with you. But I need you to speak to this. Where did this come from? Why is it still happening? How do we make it go away <laughs> and fast? It's it's very funny you say that, first off, because I would like to give a quick shout out. Hello, Shari and Robert, who are <laughs> um, I definitely, definitely, I don't know the last time I've called my mom the word mom. And I call my dad, dad sometimes, but I definitely use their first name. And it's very funny you say this because something that I'm always paying attention to is the relationship kids have with their parents. Like the difference between some of my friends, like I have friends who they look at their parents and they're, I wouldn't say scared of them, but they have so much respect for them that, you know, they don't want to like push them. They don't want to like go over the top of them. They look at them as like, they're like on this pedestal that they're just below. And it's really funny because then I have friends on the other behalf who treat their parents horribly. And, you know, just they think that, you know, they're someone that's equal to them. It doesn't really matter how they talk to them, what they call them and what their relationship is. And I'd like to say that I kind of fall in the middle of that. I definitely treat my parents with a lot of respect. I look up to my mom and dad. They're both very hardworking people. They provided me with everything I needed in this world. And they set me up for success. Like They are super on top of me because I've expressed them the goals that I have in this life. And they keep on top of me. But then at the same time, I also do have this very friendly like relationship with my parents where I do call them by their first names. And I'm very open with them. So you say, I call them by their first name because one morning you just woke up and said, you know what? I don't want to call you mom anymore. Today I'm calling you Shari. And it's, I mean, I want you to get to the granular nitty gritty on this. How did that happen? So I'll give you two things. So one that's funny that my mom always tells me when I was probably two and three years old and just started talking to my grandma, I did not call her grandma. I called her Tammy, which I still call her Tammy. No way. That's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely think where it came from is the fact of, you know, the difference in generations. I think that back in the day, you weren't open with your parents. You know, your parents were there to guide you and look over you. And if you did something wrong, you got in trouble. 
I, my whole life, like if I went out one night and I, you know, got too intoxicated or made a bad decision, I would tell my mom the next day and nothing would happen. And I always knew that. So I feel like she opened up a door. I don't look at her as like, she's going to like condemn me that I have to be scared of her. So I feel like that kind of led to the way where it's like, obviously Shari just comes naturally because I actually do look at her as one of my best friends and someone that like, you know, I have, I, I, there is nothing that like, there's no difference between us in a way. So when you say best friend, is it a best friend like your guys in your in your fraternity or is it a friend that's like an older sibling where you look up to them for advice, but there's still a respect that's there because of the age differentiation? Do you look at them as like an aunt? I'm trying to understand because... And yeah, and where does the mother piece fit right, like, into that? Yeah, like how does that all work? Because we were always taught like as parents, we're not our kids' friends. We are our kids' parents and that is our role. And somewhere in the translation from the kid back to the parents it came up in gibberish for you guys. So I would definitely say... First off, I do struggle with this sometimes is I do look at my mom and my dad as a friend, but like an older friend that I respect. Like I have my people at school that are seniors that, you know, I have respect for and I go to them for everything. But definitely sometimes I struggle with the fact of not treating, of treating my parents like they're my fraternity brother when they're not, like the way I speak to them or the things that I say to them or like how I act around them. I really think that in this generation, that there's this, you know, entitlement maybe would be the word for it. I definitely think there's a sort of entitlement in this era of teenagers where there's a lack of respect for authority and there's like an issue with authority. Everyone thinks that they're so self-independent um, and they, they look up to all these, you know, influencers and famous people who are living these crazy lives and they just don't like realize that there's people that can tell them no and there's people that they should have respect for and just like, when they say something, like, that's how it goes. And you look it up to them and it's automatically complete respect. Cole, we'll get to this whole influencer side of things in a moment. But when you say that kids in your generation look to all of these quote unquote influencers for wisdom and advice and so on and so forth, that is a departure from Dr. Boca and myself, our generation, right? We looked to our parents and Teachers. our grandparents who we called mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. And right? Mr. and Mrs., teachers, Mr. And Mrs., our friends, doctors, parents. our professors, things like that. So I ask you, in a world where now the sky is the limit relative to where you're getting your information and who you yourself are being influenced by, who do you turn to and where do you look to gain the wisdom and the knowledge that as terrific as a kid as you are, you are still just a kid. So you've got a lot to learn. And who do you consider or what do you consider those pearls of wisdom? I would definitely say that my pearl of wisdom is, for one part, my mother. Secondly, my dad. And I really like to talk to, I have a few friends that are more on the side of like, you have different friends in your life. You have your, you know, your fun friends. You have your friends that always have your back. And I have some friends that like I can go to at any point when I'm absolutely losing my mind. It's like the whole world's coming down on me. You know, I have too many exams, too much stress, everything. Like I feel like I'm being suffocated that I can go to and I can talk to and I can bring me back to earth. For the most part on wisdom, I would say I've modeled myself after my parents a lot. I try and take things from them. And one very funny story I can give you is that last year I had a girlfriend. It was the first girlfriend I ever had. You know, I was definitely new to it. And all of my friends got girlfriends at the exact same time. 
And it's so funny. I would sit there and I would watch how my friends would speak to their girlfriends. And they were so nasty mm. and demanding and like disrespectful. And my relationship was completely different than that. I was nothing but pleasant. And I treated her, as my dad always says, that my, our mom is our queen. I put mm. her on a pedestal. I would never raise my voice to her. I would never speak down to her. I'm a very competitive person that always wants to bring, get the last word in and like put someone, be on top of someone. But I would never do that with her because the way my dad taught me my whole life is that the girl you are dating, you're married to, is your mother, is your grandma. She's the queen of your universe and you never treat her with any bit of disrespect. So it was so funny that to look at the way my parents raised me just with that compared to how some of my other friends' parents' relationships are, you could see how it just stemmed down to like the way they talk to their significant others. And sadly, most of us are not with our girlfriends anymore. But, you know, it's, it's funny to see, at least for some of these kids, how that transitioned over that. And then to also touch back just one more time on what you were saying about, you know, relationships with parents and how, um, Dr. Rogan, you said that you called your parents Mr. and Mrs. So one of my friends at school, when we got home from winter break last year, or got to like on winter break last year, we're going to his house and he texts us. He's like, hey, you have to call my parents Mrs. and Mr. And I responded back like, laugh out loud, like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> And he's like, no, I'm like, I'm serious. Like, you actually have to call my parents. It's so it's so funny how when you leave our little, you know, bubble of Boca that has the world is just so different of like yeah. the respect and the treatment of parents. And I feel that, you know, a little bit of what we were talking about is where did this, you know, change the way we look up at our parents and the respect we have for them? I also think it definitely comes from the little bubble that we live in. And I have a friend that lives in Mississippi and every single kid there, whether it's your mom or not, is calling them Mr. Mrs. and has the most utmost respect. So what I'm hearing you say was a lot, but the first one is it's not necessarily where you're living. It's the parental unit or the people that you're influenced by, if they deserve or command or expect respect, you can live in an environment like Boca and learn how to have those types of respectful relationships with them. But more times than not, when most of our friends are respectful, we are also respectful and it kind of is an influential type of thing. The second thing I must say I don't know you other than right now. Obviously, Rachel has said some phenomenal things about you, but kudos to your parents. I must put that out there. And kudos to your father, because what he's teaching you is truly going to go so much further than anything else that you learn in life. You are going to have some very, very successful relationships because you understand and appreciate that the other person's feelings and thoughts and the way that we talk and communicate to our significant others truly is at the the foundation of all of our relationships. So kudos to them. I agree, Dr. Boca. And I didn't even have to hear Cole's response to know that Apple does not fall far from the tree. And Cole, you're so lucky that you have such a beautiful tree that you have by and learned from and protected by all these years. So shout out for sure to your mom and dad. And it's hard. Um, I just want to say one more thing. It's very hard in Boca to maintain some of those influences as parents, right? Because we try to keep up with the Joneses. And so it takes a lot of strength and a lot of real focus and real parenting to help our children develop that even in a entitled place, using your word as Boca is. So 
I also want to say, and then we can move on to some other topics here in the respect category for the purposes of this podcast, I would like to be referred to as Mrs. Silver Cohen. (laughs) (laughs) I got doctor, so I'm on up on you. (laughs) I know. I mean, Paul, I don't think you can call me Rachel anymore. I want to up my respect game here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can call me anything you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. dinner. (laughs) Right? Right. All right. So moving on. Moving on. So you didn't actually think we were going to get through a whole podcast with a college student and not talk about social media because that would be like not having Chinese food on New Year's for a Jewish person, right? Like it's not going to happen. So I do have some questions about social media because it's so foreign to our generation. You know, Rachel and I and all of my friends, we have had multiple conversations over the years of how grateful we are that we did not have social media when we were growing up because we know that that would have kept us from getting jobs or having successful relationships. I mean, I can only imagine where I would be. But your generation literally knows nothing other than technology and social media. So I guess I'm curious, how much do you like actually think about the impact that your social media presence may or may not have on your future? Or do you actually not think about that? Like, I'm so interested in knowing. So this is a great question and a great question for me, especially. I would say I'm a little too obsessed with social media. 100%. And I have a very impulsive personality and I have a lapse in judgment sometimes. And, you know, I have some blurry lines where, you know, I'll think something is okay that necessarily isn't okay to post. And so I am 19 years old, right? My dad is still logged into my Instagram and goes through my comments and deletes things that people says. And I get texts constantly, do not post that, take that down. My dad always stresses this to me. You know, future employers are going to look what's on my social media. So to have social media with alcohol in pictures, and as my uncle always calls me, looking like the biggest douchebag ever (laughs) with 10 different girls around me thinking I'm some like big player, like living this lavish life. It's definitely an issue and it's something that I personally, and I know a lot of other people too, need to clean up. And social media consumes us all. And it's so scary every single night for example, in college, when you go out, you'll just see hundreds and hundreds of different girls videoing or guys videoing this, videoing that, someone doing something stupid so someone can post this on their story all for attention. I want to just take that one step further. You say all this and we know how smart you are. and, And I know that you're on this track to greatness, right? But as you're saying what you know, your actions are not aligning. So I do think a lot of kids have this Superman complex. They just do. They think I'm invincible. I'm untouchable. Oh, my dad will check it and then they'll tell me and I'll delete it and all will be well in the world. And doesn't it dilute your conviction of, yes, I know. Okay. uh, This is where I feel like you are just a kid again. Like, all right, mom or dad or by their first name, I will. I know. I'll do it later. I won't do it anymore. But you're not. And I really want to know if you truly do understand the dire consequences that can happen by these one mistakes. And to that point, do you even think that's fair? I completely agree with you. And I feel like I am a kid on this factor still because my parents try to express this to me. And I'm not going to lie. At the end of the day, like, you know, everyone on social media is trying to make themselves look better, you know, publish themselves out there. And it's all for the, you know, the look and the showing. I definitely do know the consequences, but as bad as this sounds, 
I feel like people don't always grasp the consequences until they're literally placed in the situation where they go through it or someone close goes through it. Sure. You know, I definitely see it, especially with this whole cancel culture movement. I'm not a fan of it. You know, I hate the fact of, you know, people being like, oh, you said one wrong thing. Get rid of this guy. You know, he shouldn't have any platform anymore. He shouldn't have a job anymore. I don't like that. At least myself, you know, I try to filter the videos that are taken of me. I don't want people to have videos of me cursing or doing things that, you know, I shouldn't be doing. But I've heard of many cases, and it didn't start really until I was a senior in um, high school, of girls or guys having videos saying, you know, um, slurs or racial words or doing something stupid. And, you know, they got rescinded, like their applications got rescinded through colleges. So, you know, I'm definitely careful on that perspective. I also don't like that. It really sucks that one day, you know, I can do something without knowing that someone's filming me. And the next day that could be on Twitter and viral and, you know, my entire life's taken away. And now every employer I'll want to go to ever see that, you know, graduate schools will see that, colleges will see that, adults will see that. It's definitely a very tricky situation. For that fact, you know, I really dislike social media. And I wish we did grow up in an era where we were just free and, you know, you had nothing to worry about. Like anything can get out at any second. And I see it happen all the time where, you know, a couple that, you know, has been dating for three years at this point, they'll break up and he'll send someone a nasty text or she'll send him a nasty text. The other one will post it on, you know, social media. And it just, it is the most embarrassing thing ever. And so what I'm hearing is, you know it's there, right? You're aware that somebody could put this shit out on you, and yet it's not deterring you from staying off of social media. So there really is this conflict in your in your generation right now of, uh, until it happens to me, I'm going to keep walking the line, even though I know it's a very slippery slope. So I guess as a psychologist, when I work with some of my patients, like just this week, I had one of my patients delete TikTok on her phone. And she's my age, right? Or like, you know, around my age. I'm not exactly my age, but she's an adult in my generation with an addiction to wasting time on TikTok. Now, this is not about because of the negative consequences that's going to happen to her, but the amount of anxiety that was triggered by asking someone to delete in not even your generation, but in an older generation, an app of social media. It was eye-opening to both of us, me as a therapist and her as a client. Could you imagine going out and not being on social media for a night or deleting an app from your phone of social media or extinguishing some of your persona on social media? Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I try and take breaks sometimes. I, on school weeks, we know, I put my phone down at a certain time and I don't check anything else. I don't answer texts. I don't like respond to phone calls. But you know, I guess the issue in today's day is that, you know, if you're not on social media and you're not caught up with the trends, you feel like you're kind of missing out in a way. You know, you don't know what's hot. You don't see what your friends are doing. As much as it sucks, like it's a way of like, it connects yeah. people. Exactly. It's bringing people together. Like in a matter of seconds, I know what my friend who goes to Boulder is doing and who he's with. So it, I guess that's what really draws people in. Rachel, like this is so foreign to me. Like, I don't think, Cole, you get it. Like if I made plans in college to meet up with somebody, either we were at the bar when they got there or we weren't. We had no idea where they were. We didn't know what they were doing. I mean, it was like potluck if you were going to have plans that night, let alone know what someone's doing in another state. Like it's foreign to me. Yeah. And if we had a friend who went to school in Boulder, you want to know when we would be finding out what they did that night? On Thanksgiving. Right. I was just in the summer. For the week. Yeah. It's a real 
departure. I know I keep saying that phrase from our generation. And I am not here to suggest that the goal of this podcast is to get you and every other kid in your generation to do it our way. No. I just think it's important to really zero in on how different it is and maybe for your generation, Cole, to come up with maybe a different solution. Again, you know, I said in the beginning of this introduction, I think of you as someone who is an influencer amongst your peers and people look to you to see what the trend is. So in a way, I'm giving you the task of setting the trend. You want to put your finger on the pulse? You change the pulse and the narrative of some of these things if it has some negative connotations or if there's dire consequences for potential future in a career and what your credibility is and the respect that you want to gain from not only your peers, but even as you get older in the world, age shrinks. And it doesn't matter what year you graduated college or where you grew up, but you want to be a pillar in the community and amongst all. And that does start, I think, at an early age. If you're going to put yourself out there on social media, you have to you know, you're going to make your bed, you got to lay in it, which leads me to another question. And I am jumping around, but I do think it's important. You said earlier, Cole, with the Superman complex that until something actually happens, it's not until then that then you say, oh God, now what do I do? How do I clean up my act and, and apologize, so to speak? Which brings me to when things really do happen. And let's look at the world we live in, mental health. This is not something that anyone sits on the sidelines about. There are school shootings. There are teen suicide. There are tragic accidents that we all, unfortunately, are privy to over the years. The crisis, and I don't even know if crisis is the right word, but what's going on with gender identity and all of the issues that come along with that, whether you're on the front lines or you're just having a bird's eye view. The opioid crisis, and let's face it, you are living through a global pandemic, COVID-19. These are real issues. And I want to know how you and your peers, okay, but you most notably, call feel about it. How close to home have these topics hit you? And how do you deal with it? What do you talk about with your friends? How can we see change from your generation with topics that you cannot turn a blind eye on? Yeah, so first off, I'd like to say that, you know, during my life. I've been pretty blessed. I've had good mental health. But I, you know, I have not done drugs. I've never turned to drugs to, you know, make myself feel better. But I sadly know a lot of people who do do that and or have done that. When you talk about tragedy, you know, during the pandemic last year, I lost one of my best friends. He was going down a slippery slope of mental health, drugs, thinking that he was invincible and untouchable. And it was a definite big, big wake-up call for me and my friend group, especially. Very wild friend group who thought they could do whatever they wanted to and nothing bad would ever happen. Like I said, when my friends passed away. And I think that was, at least for us, was eye-opening to the fact of the importance of talking about if something's wrong in your life and working on your mental health. So I, over the past year and a half, have been a big advocate to all my friends that a big issue with college is that when you're feeling down or when you're feeling stressed or you need to study, these kids are turning towards pills, whether that's Mm -hmm. Adderall or Xanax or cocaine or whatever these drugs might be. People use it for the fact of like, you know, making themselves feel better and it's only making them worse. So I've been a big advocate and very outspoken 
some of my friendships have been ruined from it because of me calling someone out and bringing reality to their face. But I don't sit back and just play with that lightly anymore. Talking about mental health and social media, though, you know, for guys, it's definitely a little less of an issue. But I have a lot of girlfriends who struggle with that because they look at all these influencers and celebrities and they're like, oh, well, if my body's not this perfect, no guy's going to want me or I'm going to feel self-conscious. So I know way too many girls with eating disorders, with bulimia, with anorexia. I know girls who are so self-conscious at the age of 18 years old, they're already getting plastic surgery. It's like, like, what are you doing to yourself? Because every single thing is based on the fact of like, what is the new next hot topic? So I would love for our listeners to hear what Cole is saying. Here he is, this attractive and very sincere and successful and driven young man who's saying this is not about what you're seeing on social media. It's like body image from social media. And what you're focusing in on is not the reality of how an 18, 19-year-old gentleman is viewing you. And I want them to hear this because I do believe you're absolutely right, Cole. Social media in my field, we're so aware of how social media has impacted people's self-esteem, body image, sense of coping, really taste of reality, right? And so to hear the perspective that here you are saying, guys, you look great. Like, stop. (laughs) Like, you don't have to use this as your measurement of where you fit in is so powerful. And you are an influencer. So I really want to highlight to people that this is what you're saying. Like, turn to the reality, turn to the real people and the good people that were raised well and find something of depth. It's not just about how you look and it's certainly not about how you look compared to the person on social media because that is not based in reality. And you guys have had a generation of so much tragedy that I think it's wonderful that you guys are talking about it and that you're seeing it and that you're intervening when you see your friends. And I'm just going to plug just in general, college counseling centers, psychologists. I mean, there are services, especially at UF, but at every university, there is a counseling center that provides services, some for slight fees, some for free, but definitely, definitely utilize those resources. Yeah. And that's definitely something I would say our generation does good at. I think our, you know, age group is very outspoken on the importance of mental health. And obviously, you know, that's just the trend we're going on these days because there is so much tragedy in this world right now. You know, from 16 to 24-year-olds right now, you know, they just, they're in the biggest, you know, changing parts of their life, whether it's graduating high school, going to college, starting your job. Now we're living in a global pandemic. Everything's shut down and destroyed. Um, So, you know, a lot of people are dealing with that, but I do definitely see that a lot of kids are outspoken about their mental health and taking the necessary steps to get help. You know, I know a lot of kids that go to, like you said, advising meetings out of school. This kind of leads into a question that I have as a therapist. I'm always thinking, where did this start? What changed between our generation and this generation? Is it that we're just more vocal about it? Is there less stigma associated with it? Or is part of it that this part that you guys are all going through that I can speak for myself, but I'm sure Rachel can too, that I don't envy is really the competitive that you guys are all exposed to. I mean, seriously, in academia alone, let alone in sports and socializing and all of those other things, it wasn't as cutthroat when we were in, when we were younger. And it saddens me how hard we're pushing students really to get to the same place that we all got also, right? Without being pushed so hard. So 
now that you've gone through the process, I know you're still in college and you haven't gone through there, but can you speak to how that stress impacted you and how you managed it? And do you have any advice for both the kids that are going through that process now to get where you are, but also the parents as their children are going through that process so that maybe we can get them to college and not have the big burst of mental health issues that we're starting to see? Definitely. So I'll give some advice and then I'll tell you my situational story. Um, okay. The best advice I can give any kid and parent is do not compare yourself to anyone else. Everyone's academic situation is different. Everyone's college situation and how they get there is going to be different. And kids and adults both love to lie about their kids' grades, ACT or SAT scores, and you know where they're applying and what they're doing. At the end of the day, you know it really matters where you're going and no one else. So once you start comparing yourself to other people and listening to what they may or may not have got and done, you know, it's going to stress you out. So like my mom used to call me like freaking out that, you know, this person's doing this and that's what their mom said. I'm like, no, they're not. Like I sit in class with them. Like I know they're not. So that's the biggest thing. Do not compare yourself to anyone. I'm the oldest child in my family. So this was all new to all of us when Mm. we were, you know, going through testing and getting ready for college. And it was very stressful. I definitely at first was looking at my peers like, oh my God, this kid is a 35 right now. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm at a 33 or whatever I was at at the time, like freaking out. I definitely knew at the end of the day that, you know, I had the grades. I took the necessary steps to get where I was going to go. So I would definitely say I wasn't as stressed as other people. As long as, you know, when you're a high school student, as long as you are staying on top of your work, taking these AP or higher level classes, studying, putting in the time and getting involved in your community, you know, you're going to do fine. And as much as people think that, oh my God, it's only about academics. If you're just in the classroom, like that's not enough. Well, let me ask you a question. I know we started out earlier saying that when you and I had talked prior to you going to college, you were on this direct path. And and I was so impressed with your focus on wanting to be pre-med and you had these high aspirations to become a plastic surgeon. Where are we now? I'm just curious. You're almost halfway through your first four years of school. Has that shifted a little bit? So talk to us a little bit about your specific college path in terms of what you're studying. So that has shifted. And I definitely, definitely have some great advice on this that I've actually been giving to my friends my age too. It's scary. My entire life, since maybe I was in seventh grade, I always was going to be a plastic surgeon. That was what I was set on. That's what I wanted to do. Any person that knows me calls me Dr. Buffa or knew that I wanted to be a surgeon. And honestly, one day I just woke up and I kind of fell out of love with it. And you know, I realized it's a lot of schooling. And my personality is I don't want like a roof set for me. I want to be able to move in an industry and never have like a roof that like I can't break through. I always want to go higher and out to myself. So more entrepreneurial. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's great about college is you have so many opportunities to go down different paths and learn different things. So although at the moment I'm still on track that if I wanted to do pre-med, I can, this semester I decided to, you know, take more of a pre-law view on classes. So it's so crazy to me. And I keep saying this to my mom. I cannot believe that at the moment, you know, these nowadays, I'm like, wow, I really want to go to law school. I want to be a lawyer, be a class action lawsuit lawyer, and then hopefully, you know, start my own talent agency, whatever, like after that. And do you feel also though, Cole, that isn't it almost a blessing in disguise that you were on one track, but then you realize, you know what, maybe this isn't the path for me. And it sounds as though you're really comfortable in your own skin 
that you didn't marry yourself or lock yourself into one way because that's essentially all you knew in your head or what your path was. And maybe that's advice too to kids in your generation and even the younger kids who are first starting out to give yourself a little bit of a break. It's okay to change your mind. Yeah, definitely. You know, I used to get a lot of prompts from adults that they were like, wow, he's so set and driven and knows exactly what he wants to do. However, you know, we're kids. We shouldn't know what we want to do. At 17 years old, you really should not know what you want to do the rest of your life. You don't have enough experiences yet. Which leads me to a question that I think is really important, okay? Again, you know, I'm trying to give you some of the harder questions because I know you can take it, but we have a lot of overlap here in the sense that on the one hand, we're saying how adult-like kids in your generation are and they're exposed to so much and they grow up quick and so on and so forth compared to our generation when Dr. Boga and I were a kid. But then on the other hand, I'm hearing a lot that you're saying, you know, well, we're just kids and we don't know and so on and so forth. So we have that juxtaposition. And you yourself, you call yourself an influencer. In our generation, we called it more of like a thought leader or a shapeshifter, if you will. So do you think kids in your generation, they kind of jump in and then jump out when it best suits them to say, I have a voice. I want to make myself heard. I want people to listen to me. Yes, I'm a kid but I have something to say. And then maybe when the water gets too hot, they're like, well, wait a minute, I'm just a kid. So don't listen to me. And I don't want to be held responsible. Do you see that happening amongst the people in your group and what you see on social media? Where do you fall in that under that umbrella? I definitely do see that happen. There's there's three different types of people in this world. You know, there's the people that are extremely outspoken, that are spearhead leaders, you know, just say what they want and they'll they'll back it up to the day they die. There's the people that, you know, don't want to be heard and want to follow everyone else. And there's the people that fall in between. And I feel like the majority of people do fall in between. You know, when they want to be heard, when they want to be spoken, when they have a certain opinion on something, you know, they're going to step up and give that opinion. However, then once, like you said, the water gets too high, they're going to back up. And that's something I've always worked out in my life is that, you know, if I say something, I do it, I'm going to go 110% in on it. And I'm not going to back down ever until, you know, I either get my message across or get what I'm trying to do successful. And, you know, it's funny that you say this because you really see it when you're in a fraternity, right? Because obviously it's a bunch of wild boys that like to party, have fun, hang out with girls, but there's also a very serious side to it. And there's a very serious side to it that comes with the running of the fraternity. You know, like there's a lot of production that goes on and someone has to be in charge of that. And so I was really the only freshman on eboard last year when I got initiated in. And very quickly, I learned how much just goes into this and how much we need to do and all this stuff. And now in 10 days, I'm going to be the president of this fraternity, which is a big responsibility. As a sophomore, is that normal or is this an anomaly because it's you? I would say it's normal. My fraternity specifically usually has older presidents, but around the nation, the majority of people are sophomore that are presidents. However, it's definitely a big thing because now 200 kids look at me to say what we're doing, plan this, everything's done so that we don't get in trouble and that we are able to have this. So, you know, I'm the type of person that, you know, wants to speak out, wants to be heard and wants things to be my way and for me to be able to lead those things like the way I want them to. I think that's amazing. I give you a lot of credit. I want you to remember what we spoke about a little while ago, though, about leaving that impression or your thumbprint into that technology world and what goes on in the internet. Because once it's there, it's there. So now you're going to start taking on real 
titles and responsibilities in that collegiate world, Cole, you have a responsibility to make sure that your reputation stays intact. I'm not telling you not to have a good time by all means, but I want you to remember that because it's important. And I'm not your mom and I'm not your dad and I'm not your professor, but as someone who, you know, I don't even have any skin in the game other than I want to see you succeed. And I think that that balance is something that you and your colleagues and your peers and children, even Dr. Boca and my kids' ages. Absolutely. Such an important reminder that's got to constantly be drilled in. If this stuff doesn't go away. Exactly. And, you know, something with like that, like talking back on the fact of social media, you know, you're the president of the fraternity. Like, you know, you see it on the news all the time. Like people get arrested for that. Like, you know, if something goes wrong. So that's another thing that, you know, definitely is scary is the fact that, you know, now I'm responsible for all of these children and their actions. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I can't be everywhere. So, you know, if someone's doing something, wearing our fraternity letters on the other side of campus, you know, it, it's on me at the end of the day. So it definitely is scary that there's this doorway for things to get exposed so quickly on social media. So it's definitely something I have to keep in the back of my mind. Constantly. I hope that you will take that success, right? And you will respect your own success in yeah. that you'll marvel in how much it excites you and what you can do with it. But also remember that it's okay to be a little terrified. I think that yeah. all great leaders and all great successful people, having that little bit of terror in their ear is kind of what also keeps them on the straight and narrow. So um, remember that as well. Absolutely. I mean, I was a president of a non-for-profit in Boca. And I can tell you that at 40 something, I definitely was afraid at certain times. And I would just be like, oh my God, please, dear God, let this go the right way. And there is nothing better than being on the other side as the past president. But enjoy the run. And you know, look, like I said, I've done a lot of work with college students. You have your shit together. And so you have an opportunity here to do all those fun things, but communicate downward to your people that this is going to be fun, but we have to be mindful about our reputation and our futures. So let's do this with respect and class. We don't have to be the ones that wind up on the news hazing the shit out of somebody and God forbid having a lawsuit against us. You probably just took a shit in your pants when I said that, but hopefully that won't be you. It's definitely something to be mindful to. And I think it will be a great opportunity for me just because now it's going to put me in a position where I have to finally be an adult. Like, there's no questions asked. Like, you know, I have to get everything done in my school life in order so that I can run this fraternity. And then also, it will help me, you know, definitely take a big step back from the social life of Gainesville, which is, you know, a very condemning and a very pressing matter life here that we are very consumed by. To your point, right? Like you have to find that balance. And I'm just really curious. Some people come from the school of thought that we have natural ability. And in order to make it in the world, we don't need textbooks. We're just going to, you know, kind of go at it. And college isn't necessary. We're just going to do a trade that we were passionate about or that we're good at, or we're just going to figure it out. And life skills are more important. And other people feel that it's academia and we have to go to college. It's a rite of passage. And that Without college, like, what are you type of thing, right? And we can debate this from both perspectives and both, I'm sure, have merit. But you're halfway through college now at this point. Do you have any thoughts on this? Do you find the value in college that we, our generation, oftentimes puts on college? And how do you find the balance between academic life and the social life 
when you are at school? So I would say my whole life, I've always, I know this is going to sound nerdy, but I've always enjoyed school. Like I like the fact of sitting there and learning something. Like my brain, I always need something going on in it. Something that fascinates me. I find college so important because that was what was ingrained in my head growing up, but also, you know, the career I want to pursue, you know, you need to go to college and graduate school. So, you know, especially nowadays in college where I'm taking classes that are truly going to like set me down the path and teach me the things I know like need to know to be successful, you know, I'm really enjoying it and I, I see the purpose of it. You know, I also see the other side of the spectrum as, you know, I have a friend who, what are we, 19 years old, is already worth like millions and millions of dollars and does not go to college and runs a business and is super successful in his loving life. And so now touching on the fact of the social life, that is something that I definitely struggle with a lot. I think the reason for that is because I came into college and it was on Zoom, right? So then mm-hmm. the day, you know, a lot of teachers weren't even like doing Zoom lectures. They were posting lectures and you can watch them when you wanted to. However, because we're in the state of Florida, all the bars are still open. And Gainesville is a very social college. It goes yeah. from Tuesday to Sunday. Like Monday's your only day off. I suffer of something called FOMO and I hate missing out. So last year, I'm not going to lie, I really never missed the night out. So now this year, now that I'm back in person and I have to actually study and I have to be like time active and like realize like, oh my God, I have to get up, do this, go to the library, go to class, go back to the library. And then whatever else my day consists of, you know, I've had to take a step back of trying to learn, you know, how to miss a night out and, you know, sit home and study instead of that. And it's, it's funny because last night, you know, I've been sick for the past week and a half and a bunch of my other friends have too. And everyone, you know, decided to go out last night. And I said, you know what? I'm going to stay home. I'm going to be smart. I have a podcast early in the morning. You know, I'm still a little run down. So like last year, I would never do that. I would go out even if I was at 110 degree fever. Yeah. And I, we and- can also keep an eye on you. I, I saw, speaking of this social media monster, your little post about going out. And there I was, the big brother, proverbially speaking, right? The big silver unpolished watchdog saying, Cole, you have a podcast in the morning. Now, that would never have happened in our generation, Dr. Boca. No, here I'm about to give Cole like all these kudos and these props for being so responsible, only to find out that you were like calling him out being like, hey, dude, do you have a podcast to do? I was like, oh, he's getting his shit in gear. He's figuring out the balance. No, Rachel's telling him. Great, Rach. Well, I just, you know, listen, someone's got to do it. And, uh, but I, and I say that only to kind of just drive the nail in about this whole social media thing that you can't make a move without someone knowing what that move is. Right. And to that point, well, not necessarily to that point, but something I was going to point out was I don't think, Rachel, and correct me, there might have been a few people that if they didn't go to college when we were kids had started businesses and were making millions upon millions of dollars at 19 years old. Like, I feel like that is your generation, Cole, not our generation. Like the people who didn't go to college, it was not ingrained in them early on. And I don't think any less of them. And some of them turned out to be even more successful than any of us have ever been. But it wasn't as easy to be as successful without a college degree when we were kids or when we were your age, I guess, as it is today, there are a lot more opportunities. Which again, just to bring it full circle, my suspicion is that one of the reasons in today's generation, kids who graduate from the school of hard knocks, we'll call it, right? Which is no college at all. And they are success story might have a lot to do, 
Okay. It's not media. all to do with, with yes, social exactly, media. With social yeah. media and getting their name out there. And we didn't have any of that growing up. You know, what I've kind of realized is it's also like where you come from. You know, from Boca, if you don't go to college, you're kind of in a way looked down upon. However, you know, I have friends at school that are from all over the place. And, you know, everyone isn't as fortunate to grow up in a place like Boca. I have friends that are like, I'm the only person in like my entire friend group that went to college. Everyone else is home working for their dad's company or working at a clothing store or a restaurant. So, you know, I definitely think it depends on the place you come from. So like, it's kind of the mindset that has been enthralled in you. Yeah, I think we all have the right to define success however we feel appropriate. A lot of us, it's what we've learned generationally speaking from how we were raised. Personally, for me, my children know that there's one track in this house and it's called college. And whatever happens after, happens after. And I certainly want to set them up for success. But I do think it's important that we recognize that success is defined in a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. And I ask you, Cole, briefly, do you have your own definition of success? I do have my own definition of success. It's a very shallow answer. I'm not going to lie. I don't see myself stopping. I don't see myself ever feeling satisfied until I have so much that I don't even know what to do with it. And I know that as bad as that sounds, you know, obviously my, you know, a success story for me would be, you know, having an amazing family that I love, you know, a wife that makes me happy, a job that makes me happy and kids. But at the same time, you know, in my head, like, I'm like, the end goal is being a billionaire. You know, I want to be the, like, no matter what I do, like, I want to be top of the industry, the best at what I do you know, above everyone else, everyone looks at me and then kind of just have so much money. I don't know what to do with it. I know this is going to sound so bad, but you know, I say this to my friends all the time. I go, you know what? I know I made it when I have a hundred foot yacht in the back of my house, not in a marina in the back of my house. I have a house, you know, here. That's just the things that I hate it, but you know, I guess would define my success in life. Dream big, baby. Just keep dreaming, right? um, But to touch on one more thing going back, I love UF. I think it's so amazing. And I never really saw myself going here at all. Like everyone that knew me, like always knew, like I had a few schools in mind and that was it. And for the listeners, Um, UF, University of Florida in Gainesville. Gainesville. Okay. Gainers. Go Gainers. Go Gainers. So it's very funny that my one thing with UF is, you know, my friends that go to Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, you know, their social life stems from Thursday to Saturday. So they have a lot more free time to get work done and then, you know, schedule their weeks based on the fact of, okay, I know Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, our fraternity, or if you're a girl, the fraternity we're going to is having parties. But for us, it's like, I wake up, I'm like, oh my God, tonight's Techno Tuesday or that's Wednesday or Twisted Thursday. So it's, I guess, based on the school you go to, it really... A bar school, like I would consider the University of Florida more of a bar school than it is a fraternity school. So there's more opportunities to go out, which definitely puts you in a worse position where you really have to learn how to like balance your social life and like academic life. Did you think of that before you decided on US? Not at all. I never even thought I would enjoy a bar school. Like I was always like, oh my my God, I want to be at a fraternity party. I want to be this, you know, with all my Long Island friends in this like fraternity centric world. I love the bar scene now, but. So it's interesting because I went to Wisconsin many uh, moons ago, right? But I never thought about the school that way versus UF where all my friends went because I was living in Boca at the time. So all my friends went to UF. 
you know, we looked at it as two very comparable schools, size, academics, sports, like it just had worse weather than you guys did. Like that's the only way that I conceptualize the difference. But as you're speaking, you're absolutely right. Like it was Thursday to Saturday, you know, and that's when we partied and we partied hard. I was hoping maybe it's changed since then and maybe there was more days, but it wasn't, we did go to bars, but it was a very Greek dominated university. And I can see that the people that went to UF, you're right. Like the days kind of just drifted into having something every night at the local bars. So I can see how it is a little bit more challenging. And we also had crappy weather. So you didn't necessarily want to go out, whereas you guys have beautiful weather and it's like calling your name. So it's an interesting difference. Back to the balance. Back to the balance, Cole. You have to find the balance. I'm not telling you not to have a good time. Wait, time out. Time out. I just want to make one point for those of you who listen to our podcast regularly. Did everybody just notice that Rachel was the one to say we have to like balance, find the middle ground. We have to figure it all out because I'm always calling Rachel out for being in all the extremes. I just wanted that to go out there. Rachel, you're going to be Dr. Rachel Silver Cohen. <laughs> no, I just, when I hear it though, and maybe I'm just projecting a little bit because maybe I didn't have as much balance when I was in college. I, looking back, and we've talked about this on podcast after podcast, that if me, if I had chosen a more specific career path, potentially the rest of my channels in life would have been a little bit different. And when I hear a young kid who is ambitious, who thinks he's got a plan and then changes that plan, which is completely okay, but then we're still talking about Fat Tuesday and Techno Monday and whatever the hell you're talking about. I'm like, wait, what? And I'm feeling so old, but I'm also thinking back to my days. And now I'm thinking ahead, my own children who at some point will be in college. And again, we want to set our children up for success. But back to what Cole had said initially, when we talked about the dynamics between parents and children, when we were children versus Cole's generation now, I guess we have to really listen to our children and try to help as parents and try to help them make appropriate choices that are going to be successful for the long haul. No one's suggesting, Cole, that you should find a college and just know where the library is and stay there all day, every day and have no friends and don't go on social media and don't be social and don't have a Greek life and so on and so forth. But I guess it's just so out of the box for me now as a parent. I've I've only ever thought of college as me being the collegiate student. So I'm gaining perspective from you, Cole, and and I thank you for that. I do feel like I have just like this one big question that I've been dying to ask. And I'm going to just present it this way to Cole and to Dr. Boca and of course to our listeners out there. Cole, yourself, you're talking about, I want to be a billionaire. That's basically what you just said, right? I want it all. And by all, I want the money to back that up, right? When I was a kid, okay, Captain Kirk, and I'm probably dating myself here, right? All right. You do know who he is, Cole, right? Come on. Okay, so Captain Kirk he has was... no idea. Oh my God. I mean, so old. there you go, right there. Okay, Captain <laughs> Kirk was the captain on Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. No, Star Trek? William Shatner. Yeah. Okay. Right? He's now 90 years old. But when I was growing up, that show was the biggest phenomenon out there. And the idea of going to space, even as a, as a girl, you know, I don't even want to box myself out from like a, the sex of well, only men would go to space. As a little girl, the idea of like going to space was just 
out of this world, no pun intended, right? Or the Muppet Show. How about that reference? Pigs in space, right? It no was idea. just yeah. No don't even know about the Muppet Show. Pigs in space. Oh my god! I'll he have to know. put that up on YouTube or whatever. Nicole, <laughs> that's a homework assignment for you. You look that up also. My point is, is that forty nine years ago, the idea of humans going to space for show, right? That was not anything other than what you saw on television, and now billionaires, to your point, Cole, of wanting to be a billionaire. The Final Frontier, Blue Origin, Sir Richard Branson and his Virgin Galactic Rock. I mean, people, real people with a shitload of money, but they're going to space. And to me, that just radiates that the sky truly is the limit, that you can do anything, you can be anything. Your imagination is not just in your dreams at night. And I want to know for someone like yourself that you're shooting for those stars and I believe that you can do anything you want, Paul. I've known that about you since the day I met you as a little kid. What are you going to do? Where do you see this world in several decades from now? And what do you think the possibilities could be? Because when I was your age, in a million years, I would never think that William Shatner, who was Captain Kirk, at 90 years old in real life now, just a couple weeks ago, would literally be shot up into space. Wait, and before you answer, at 46 or whatever I am, I didn't think we would have a phone in our hand that could like, and we could ask somebody all the questions that we had to go look up in an encyclopedia. I didn't think that like I would have a car that has an iPad in it, right? And that is getting me places. I didn't think that I could even, let alone print out on Google how to get somewhere. But now it is like in front of me and I can see it three-dimensionally Whereas we had to go and find those big maps and map out where we were going with highlighter and then trying to refold the map gave you anxiety and was like a big debacle. So, I mean, we, we are so far beyond that. So like, yes, where do you, like, I mean, this is just a fun little game, but where the hell are we going to be when, you know, in 30 years, 20 years, 50 years, I'm so excited to find out. Yes. So, you know, I live by the motto of not if, but when. And especially, I think anything's possible. And, you know, sometimes that gets me into trouble with my parents or my friends because, you know, I think that we can just do whatever or like anything's going to work, even though that in reality, it may not, or there may not, you know, as my other like fraternity brothers on Ebor tell me, we don't have the money for this. This is insane. But, you know, definitely looking at the future, um, you know, I think we're going in a good direction. I'm a firm believer of science and technology. I live by that. I'm a very science-oriented kid. And, you know, I think that with the way that technology, you know, obviously there's negatives that come with it, especially on the social media. But the way that technology, for example, has just affected the medical industry is so amazing. And if you look at all the advancements between, you know, you can look at microscopic surgery on an eyeball, you know, to bring someone's sight back that couldn't see, or with hearing needs for someone that can't hear, or all these amazing new surgeries to help, um, you know, cure cancer or fix bones, whatever it is. I think society's definitely going in a great place. And I think it's going to continue to be dominated by more and more technology. You know, I definitely can't say what, for example, I'm hoping that cars do fly by then. That's Just thinking that. That's, that's definitely something I hope is in our near future. And I guess my biggest thing would be teleportation. I hate 
sitting in cars for long times or having to, you know, go on a plane and go through security and then Uber to where I'm going. So that would be amazing too if you know I could press a button and then I'm just in Alaska or Europe or Mykonos. But like hopefully that's something definitely that it's in our near future. But I think technology will continue to dominate. Um, I, I don't think you're wrong. I just, you know, it, for me, it raises questions like a privacy and things like that. And the more technology we have, the less control we have of things, right? So that scares my generation, I'm sure, and the generations before us, but you guys don't know any different. So to me, I'm not surprised that you would go in all of those technology-driven scenarios. And I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, if, if our future holds people like Cole in it, I'm excited to see where we're going to go. I am too. And I really have big hopes for you, Cole. You know, I'm one of your big fan club members. And I look forward to what the future holds for you because I know there's greatness there. And you're always value add to me. And when we're together, and certainly on the podcast today, you've brought some youthful insights to Dr. Boca and myself and our listeners out there. So I really do thank you for your time. Can I ask one more question? We kind of touched on it a little bit, but as a psychologist, but more importantly, as a parent and knowing that our listeners, a lot of them are in our age bracket, um, we are always looking to kind of unite the two generations because there are so many differences. And that's true of every generation. Every parent feels this way with their kids. It's like, how can I understand what my kid is going through and needs? And I guess I'm just looking to you as a voice for your generation, whether that's more power than you should have or not. You know, we don't have to have that conversation. But if you have this as a platform right now, what would be like the most important thing that you would want the world to know? And then what would your advice be to both your generation and to our generation on how we can maybe bridge the gap between the differences that we do see? Um, so talking on the second thing, at least the way I look at it with parents and children is the relationship I had with my parents was a very open relationship. They were very real with me. I was very real with them. And, you know, they trusted me. So they didn't really set a lot of like rules and regulations for me. You know, they let me live my life. They told me what I shouldn't do and advised me what I shouldn't do. But if I did it, that was my choice. Um, so I think one thing definitely, you know, could, that can help a lot is the fact of like, trusting your kids, letting them make mistakes, not hovering over their entire life, not letting them be free. I have friends that now that they're free in college and their parents were so obsessed and locked them down in high school and were super like, you know, helicopter moms and dads. They're insane now. Like they have no idea what to do with their freedom. They, they, they've just lost their minds. And I feel like I've been given this freedom for such a long time that, you know, I'm, I'm on this good path. So I guess best piece of advice of bridging it, realizing that, you know, you, you, you got to have trust in your kids and same with obviously kids with their parents, but, you know, giving them the opportunities and not being so on top of every single one of their little things they do. If I could give, you know, the world one piece of advice, it would be, you know, to slow down and live every moment, like in the moment, like be part of it. You know, I've found in my life that a lot of times I've been there physically, but I have not been there consciously and mentally. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, like I've, I've had all these amazing experiences and I've done all these amazing things. And, you know, I didn't enjoy them to the fullest. And obviously that, you know, a big part of that comes from social media. Uh, yeah. I want to reach my hand into the phone to be like, Cole, you want to know why you weren't present in the moment? 
I yes. love you, but you idiot, right? Like lovingly, I say that, right? Because you were probably, you had your nose planted into that damn telephone. Or videotaping it through the phone so you weren't even part of it. Exactly. So take your own advice. Take your own advice. I don't know how many times I have to say this to you. You know the consequences. You don't want to miss out. And we've got to practice what we preach. You have a responsibility as this, you know, big King Cole that you are, right? You are, you know, your majesty, if you will. <laughs> Make sure your little disciples, right? Your court jesters and all of the people in your kingdom, right? Paternity or otherwise, really understand that the moment is all you have. And, you know, it's sad to say, I've had to learn this at such a young age, but every day is priceless. Like you really, really don't know when your last day is. And in a matter of seconds, you know, you can be gone. Someone in your family can be gone. One of your friends can be gone. So just to like live in the moment and enjoy every second is the best piece of advice I can give someone. Because that's something I've really worked on in the past year is being present and like taking every experience I get, whether it's a pleasant one or a not pleasant one, whether it's, you know, doing something that I want to do or doing something that I have to do and getting the most out of it and having, you know, letting it like change the person I am and like help me. And I, I love to, that. Yeah. And I have to say, Cole, like, Kudos to you because I can't tell you how many of my generation are struggling with the exact same thing, being present. I'm myself included sometimes, you know, I'm juggling so many balls sometimes that I don't focus on being present with my children and my husband and my job and my this and, you know, my podcast and all of that. So the fact that you're learning this at, at such a young age and you can use that to motivate yourself and you're taking the steps necessary and are mindful of it. And that word mindful was never part of our vernacular when we were kids. We didn't know what mindful was. And now there's a whole school of thought on mindfulness, right? That never, ever existed, but it exists for a reason. And it is really being mindful of the things that we are experiencing. And if we can master that, anything is possible, literally. Like master mindfulness and you too will go to space one day. Cole, if you have that spaceship one day and you are taking people up to space, I'm Us. saying it now on air right now this Wednesday morning. Okay. Sign me up. Me too. I'm going and I, Dr. Boca as we'll well. Do, we want our spots. We'll do a podcast from space. That there would be go. unbelievable. Uh, there you go. I want to go to space be, on your rocket. Absolutely. No, matter, no matter how old you guys are, listen, if you guys are 100 and senile and on air ventilators, then that day I happen to get a spaceship, I will you know, make arrangements for both of you. Well, and, and maybe some of the medical advances we'll have by then, we'll be able to kind of hedge whatever our shortcomings are from our age or, or deficits on that. Or we may call it forever. Well, guess what? If you can come up with some type of technology or medical, rigmarole to keep me alive forever, young and youthful and living my best life, I'm on board for that as well. All right. So actually, cool. you know, I was going to end the podcast by saying like, all I want you to do is call your mom and dad, tell them you love them, but call them mom and dad by mom and dad and not by their first and second name. But now I actually, I'll call them. I'll tell them how terrific you are. I actually want you to get to class and I want you to start working on some of these future amazing, amazing things and inventions that we all have to look forward to if your finger's on the pulse of them. All right? Definitely, definitely. This was very fun. I'm very happy that you guys gave me the opportunity to do this. I cannot wait for everyone to hear this. Well, we're thrilled that you were on board. We always say when we have a guest, you know, once a friend of the show, always a friend of the yes. show. 
we hope that you'll actually get the younger generations to maybe pay attention to Dr. Boca and I and maybe check out all of our podcasts. You know, if your friends are listening in now, we can be reached at unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. If anyone has any questions, concerns, comments on social media, while our presence is probably not as <laughs> bold as Cole's, which I'll let you give your handles in a moment, but we can always be reached at, at Unpolished Therapy on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We are very, very quiet on Twitter. No one wants to tweet and twat with us. So again, you know, please come and visit us there at Untherapy on Twitter. And if you want to give a shout out, you want to be friends with Cole, you want to see what's going on in his social media world when he's not studying in class, you can find Cole Buffa. Cole, how can we find you? Um, my Instagram is probably the best way. It is just C-O-L-E-B-U-F-F-A, Cole Buffa. Um, it's, it's definitely, Rachel, I feel like you can definitely touch on this. It's definitely interesting and entertaining from time to time. So yeah, that's... Those um, are the words you're using. Okay. I think I've texted <laughs> you a few times to be like, I'm not even your mom or your dad, but like, Cole, you need to take, <laughs> you definitely need to take that down. I yeah. can't. I just my, can't. my last Instagram post was very, very comical. If you were Well, I love you. I want you to remain healthy and strong, prosperous. I want you to be an influencer in the best possible ways. I never want you to curb your voice and share all the great things that you have on your mind with all of us. I just want you to do it in a safe practice of a way. I know that there's only the best to come for you, Cole. So never forget the little people like Dr. Boca and myself, okay? Absolutely. When you hit it big one day, we're going on that rocket ship come hell nor high water. Now it's time for you to get back to class. So on behalf of Dr. Boca and myself, this has been another episode of Unpolished Therapy. We have absolutely ditched the couch today. We've grabbed all three mics. We've broken down some serious wreckage. That is Cole Buffett thriving as a college student. We look forward to many, many, many more Wednesdays to come. Have a great week, everyone. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.